All right, everyone. Uh, before we get to the uh, actual episode, I wanted to make everybody aware of what happened this afternoon. So we knew there was a possibility that Wisconsin was going to add another person from the transfer portal. Didn't know exactly when it was going to be. It turns out they did it right after we got done recording uh, the episode of the camp. So obviously the new addition, Bryson Green, the wide receiver from Oklahoma State, becomes the 13th transfer portal addition for the Badgers, a uh, really, really talented kid. Uh, for Oklahoma State the last two years, was their second leading receiver at 36 catches for 584 yards and five touchdowns uh, for them this year. Does anybody want to just turn the light out on their way out of Stillwater? Uh, Gosh, they have lost everybody. I don't want to say that. Maybe that's a little too mean. Either way, uh, another very good addition for Wisconsin from the transfer portal. It gives them 13, 13 wide receivers right now, 12 or 13, I guess, depending on... um, yeah, we'll just go. We'll just say thirteen, which is a little bit higher than what Phil Longo wanted uh, when we talked to him last week. He wanted eleven or twelve. They got thirteen right now. He uh, tweeted, "Reload complete." I really am a big fan of uh, Bryson Green. I think it's a it's a really good addition. On top of C.J. Williams, he is a bigger body, six foot one, about two hundred five, and uh, but he he looks like he's got a little bit of uh, he's got some strength. If you look some of his highlights, he's got some strength. He's got some speed. Um, it's just another addition to what is. A really, really good room. So they've got 13 transfers overall now with Green in the mix. Seven are either wide receivers or quarterbacks. So they clearly, they need, they knew they needed to remake the wide receiver, or the quarterback room. They've also done the same thing with the wide receiver room, even though I think we believe, and we'll talk about this in the episode, that there is some talent in that wide receiver room that has been uh, not underutilized, but hasn't been asked to do a, a ton of things that really was able to showcase their talent. And we're going to probably see that a little bit more this year with Jim Ray DK and Skylar Bell and Keontes Lewis. So I did want to get this out there and say that, uh, we are aware of Bryson Green. Uh, we didn't forget him, um, but we did record this episode before the news came down that he was committing today. So with that said, here is the episode we recorded uh, a little bit earlier this afternoon. In a stadium rich with tradition, the lights shine the brightest. This is the camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, we're back on the camp. Uh, a second episode this week, as you imagine, uh, as you would imagine, I should say. Plenty to talk about as Wisconsin continued to make a, a run on the transfer portal and uh, their biggest one, at least star-wise, coming Thursday night with the commitment of C.J. Williams, wide receiver from USC. Uh, the last time we talked, Jesse, was Monday, uh, and they had just gotten uh, Jake Renfro earlier the previous day, whatever, whenever it was. They, this was the, that was the start. Since then, they've added five more guys. Uh, they added, uh, obviously, the wide receivers, Quincy Burroughs and Will Pauling. They added the quarterback from Mississippi State and Braden Locke. They added the kicker from Ohio and Nathaniel Vakos, or Vakos, depending on who you want to believe, and then C.J. Williams yesterday. It has been one hell of a run. All five of those guys visited last week. All five of them commit. Truly astounding. Monday feels like a month ago. <laughs> because of what's happened with Wisconsin. But it just shows once again what Luke Fickle and his staff, recruiters, assistant coaches have been able to do in six and a half weeks. And one of the things I wrote about this week was looking back at some of the things Fickle talked about in his introductory press conference the first time that he had a chance to talk to reporters in late November after he was hired. It was on a Monday. And he was asked a question about what the final straw was in getting him over the hump 
to come to Wisconsin. And he, he couldn't say that there was a single reason. So he listed off a bunch and he talked about how he was, he had a great fondness for the program from afar. The timing worked out this year because obviously he was up for several jobs a year ago, but Cincinnati was in the college football playoff, talked about relationships. And the thing that struck me as I looked back on what he said now was when he talked about the changing landscape of college football and how Wisconsin was in position to push and what his role would be as the program leader. And he had, he asked a question and it was, are you willing to take those steps to give them the opportunity to play for championships? And I'd say pretty clearly six and a half weeks or so into his tenure, the resounding answer is yes, because obviously he's overhauled the coaching staff. He brought in Phil Longo, which is, it turns out been the uh, probably most productive assistant coaching hire I've ever seen at Wisconsin for a guy who's not even coached to spring practice given all the players that have come in, but they've really done their best to upgrade the roster. 12 guys coming in on scholarship out of the transfer portal at really key positions. And the CJ Williams one, which is the latest as we're having this conversation when he publicly committed on Thursday is sort of the icing on the cake here because that's one position in addition to quarterback, obviously, where if you're a Wisconsin fan, you've always wondered what would happen if they could get some of these guys that, that other programs are getting and Williams was a four-star prospect, the number 10 receiver in the 2022 class. And when he comes here, he'll be the highest rated wide receiver Wisconsin's ever had in the internet recruiting rankings era. So certainly Fickle and company deserve kudos. And there's a reason why excitement is as high as, as I, I've ever seen it in 12 seasons on the beat. It's because of what the staff has been able to do to put together this roster and build uh, some momentum. It's it's funny. I think we talked about how excited every everybody was last week, right? We moved, I shouldn't even say last week, on Monday. That was kind of a part of the show as well was talking about how excited it was. And I think it's ticked up even more. Like it's, I didn't, I even say it ticked up. It's flown up even more here in these last four days since the last time uh, we had a a chance to talk, but let's get into the CJ Williams one. Uh, We got, we got plenty to get to. And and there are, uh, I know we got a a number of questions uh, Twitter wise that we'll get to here in a little bit as well. Um, But let's start with the CJ Williams one, because he had some he had some different options. Uh, originally coming out of high school, he committed to Notre Dame. And when Brian Kelly left for LSU, he ended up going out to USC, was a, a top 10 wide receiver in that class. Uh, unfortunately for him, USC stockpiles great wide receivers. Uh, they have just a ton of them. Jordan Addison among them who went out there. He was the Blitnikoff winner at Pittsburgh last year, ended up transferring out there and and had a great season with Caleb Williams. And uh, so CJ Williams limited to four catches for 34 yards played in 10 games. Uh, but he comes, he had some options. He went out to West Virginia. Notre Dame was a potential, uh, visiting spot this coming weekend, but locks it down and Wisconsin, uh, gets their guy. Why is he in Madison? I know you had a chance to talk with somebody close to him. Yeah. I had a chance to talk to his father, Shelby, after the commitment. And I think we've heard this frequently so far. We'll continue to hear it, but I asked him, what the biggest factor was. And he said two reasons, Luke Fickle, Phil Longo. And he described Fickle as 1A and Longo as 1B in the most significant factors for this decision. Obviously, when you enter the portal, things happen very quickly. But in the week or so from when Williams entered to when he committed, those guys clearly made a concerted effort that he was their top target at wide receiver, certainly one of them. And and he said that the coaches were talking to them two or three times a day. And there was a lot of dialogue about what this could possibly look like. And obviously Williams felt comfortable enough with Longo's offense and what he'd done in the past to want to come here. It's just 
amazing to me the types of players they're getting and and I'm not crowning them national champions in January but Crown I think them. What's so uh, what's so intriguing is these are players that would not have otherwise considered Wisconsin but because Fickle has brought in an assistant who's willing to drastically uh alter what they do particularly in the passing game it suddenly makes Wisconsin very appealing and that's what his father said what CJ Williams father said that Bill Longo his offense is about passing the ball they know they're going to run but he said it's one thing to throw the ball around the yard and it's another if you're scoring points you're winning games and you're successful and he's demonstrated a history of that I think it says an awful lot as well about the staff that as you referenced those guys who came on the official from last Friday to Sunday all committed to Wisconsin throughout the week so CJ Williams clearly liked what he saw he liked the players that he could be around and it's impossible to ignore the fact that they've got three elite level, potentially elite level quarterbacks on the roster for spring practice. Three guys who were four-star prospects who had their pick of the litter coming out of high school and had some good options when they entered the transfer portal. That played a role in it too, because CJ's dad said, your first two questions when you're looking at an offense is, is the, the style and scheme. So who's coordinating it? And the second is who's the trigger man? Who's throwing you the ball? And he said, we definitely know if you have an elite quarterback, an NFL type of quarterback, those guys typically take one or two guys to the league with them. He's referring to the wide receivers who can have a lot of success. So those are a couple of the key reasons, but you referenced the the plan for them. They went to Madison. It was CJ went with a younger brother and with his dad. They immediately flew to Morgantown to visit West Virginia. And then the plan, as you said, was they were going to go to Notre Dame this, this weekend, but then they were also going to check out Cal and UCLA uh, because they're from California. They're from Southern California, but CJ felt so comfortable by midweek that he didn't feel a need to go to Notre Dame. He told his dad that they'd been there. They already went through that because he had committed there. And, and so I, it says an awful lot for a number of different reasons that, that he's coming to Wisconsin. And it only adds to the excitement because of how many weapons it looks like there could be around him. We know about Braylon Allen, Chez Malusi, Chimray DK, Skyler Bell, and Keontes Lewis, the top three receivers are all coming back. They've got five offensive linemen who started games. There's a lot to be excited about. And uh, I'm sure we'll say this in the next two months as well, but I've certainly never been this eager to watch spring practice. And that continues to grow the more they stockpile some of this talent. I mean, it's January 13th, Jesse, you would be dreading spring practice in most years at this point, right? Like, <laughs> I'd be ready for a week off. Yes, exactly. And that's not going to happen. This is the off season, but it's, there's nothing off about it for Wisconsin. When we got to talk to Phil Longo, I, I asked him about being able to recruit high level wide receivers to Wisconsin and whether that whether he thought he was going to be able to do that because it's not something Wisconsin has truly, truly ever done. And first of all, he, I think he, I, I didn't intend it as a slight to the guys who are already here, but he made clear that he thought some of these guys that are here uh, are going to be able to make plays in his offense, uh, going to be able to make plays that uh, they weren't asked to make before. It's kind of like, what do you emphasize? You get what you emphasize, and they're going to emphasize the pass game a lot more. But he also thought – why not? We've been able to we've been able to recruit high level guys at wide receiver everywhere we've gone. I don't know why this would be any different. And I feel like, you know, CJ Williams is a transfer, but it, I feel like it's the start, maybe the start of that. And uh, we'll see if they can follow it up with the 24 class and the 25 class and on down the road. But I feel like it's a, it's a good start to that. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. And I think even that mindset and approach is is refreshing because it's sort of matter of fact with Longo. Like, this is what I do. This is what I've done everywhere. So just because you're at Wisconsin in the Big Ten at a program that traditionally has not recruited a, at least highly rated, I won't say high level wide receivers because they do have some talent, but highly rated wide receivers coming out of high school or, or the portal as it is now doesn't mean we can't do that now. And so 
it's just a change in approach, a change in mindset. And obviously the change in system is what's driving all of this. And boy, Phil Longo, it starts with Luke Fickle for having the foresight to hire a coach like Longo, but Longo is just having a, a remarkable success and helping to put together this offense a couple months out of spring practice. All right. So we've talked about the wide receiver. Let's talk about the quarterback because Braden yes. Locke is a guy that uh, I don't think anybody was talking about, even, no. you know what I mean? And I know he visited last week, but I don't know. That didn't obviously get out until we talked about it on Monday, right? Because we did mention him on Monday uh, that, you know, Rivals was reporting that there was potential that Wisconsin was looking at another quarterback. And it was kind of surprising uh, just because of what they had gotten with Nick Evers and with Tanner Mordecai. And he thought maybe that was going to be the end of the room. Clearly not the end of the room. Braden Locke goes from Mississippi State where he played for Phil Longo's mentor in Mike Leach uh, before he passed and now is uh, at Wisconsin. It's a situation where he had an opportunity to play for Phil Longo at North, North Carolina, passed it up to go play for Mike Leach, not going to pass it up again. No, he's not. I had an opportunity to talk to Braden and his dad this week it's for a story that's going to be running on The Athletic on Sunday. And once again, <laughs> number one reason – that a, a quarterback is coming to Wisconsin is Phil Longo and the unique relationship that they established. And what I mentioned in the story that I thought was really interesting on, on the visit that they went on, that this was the last Friday to Sunday. So on Saturday, it was Saturday afternoon, and he was having his meeting with Longo in the quarterback's room. And this is what his dad told me. It was supposed to end at three 30 so that the family could go back to the hotel, get ready. Dinner was going to be at six. There was a bus ride. that was going to take him at five 45. So it, they blew past the 3.30 stop sign, and they went until 4.45. It was just Locke and Longo talking ball, drawing stuff up. And so they barely made the bus. Then dinner's over. They come back to the hotel, and Locke and Longo are there sitting in the lobby. The, the game is on. I think it was Jacksonville was playing Tennessee, so it was a Saturday night game. And they were there from 11, from like 8 o'clock until 11 o'clock drawing plays on napkins talking about football so they they literally spent like six or seven hours that day just the two of them talking ball and that tells you a lot about Longo it also tells you a lot about Locke and his belief in Phil Longo and why he believes he will fit in this system but to your point they did have a previous relationship which had a, a significant impact on Braden ultimately making this decision because when he was a junior at Rockwall High School in Texas Longo wanted him at North Carolina and the interesting thing was they talked a lot. He said that Locke said they talked multiple times a week during that recruitment. The family went out to North Carolina for an unofficial visit in April 2021. They watched the spring game, but that was during restrictions that related to the pandemic. So they could not meet any coaches in person. So they watched the spring game. They could see the indoor facilities, but it wasn't until Braden and his family came to Madison for the official visit after he transferred out of Mississippi State that he met Phil Longo in person for the first time. And Locke said it felt like he had known him for a long time. And so obviously they hit it off. His dad said they were finishing each other's sentences. So from that perspective, that's it's pretty clear why Locke wants to be a part of this. But there's a lot of other reasons too. And his system that he ran in high school is pretty darn close to what Longo runs at Wisconsin. It was it was air raid. You can go watch the clips. I mean, he just stands back there in the shotgun and, and throws it deep to receivers running these vertical routes. But he he said he felt like he mastered that offense when he was in high school. And he certainly understands that there's going to be different terminology. It's going to be way more challenging at this level with better defenders. But he, he feels very confident in what he could do. And if you look at what he accomplished in high school at, at 
Texas high school ball in class 6A is no joke. The guy threw for 128 touchdowns, which was a record in class 6A. And he threw for over 11,000 yards, which is second all time. So we had a lot of success. And I asked him, I think the interesting part with him is, and you can correct me if if you disagree, but I thought Wisconsin was done adding in the quarterback room. Did you think they were done once they got Mordecai and Evers? Of course. Right. Some people, so there was there were some people thought they were done when they added Evers. So I was like, what what is happening here? Like, why would this guy come? Because he's going to be a redshirt freshman. Evers is a redshirt freshman. Obviously, Miles Burkett's still a redshirt freshman. But when they got Evers, it was like, OK, he's he's the quarterback of the future. So Tanner Mordecai comes in six year senior. He'll be the starter. And then it's Evers job. And Braden felt like it's it's the perfect fit. He passed on Longo once. He didn't want to do it again. And he said there's not a there's no school in the country that you go to that doesn't have other quarterbacks on the roster. And so he's looking at it like nothing's handed to you anywhere. He wants to go compete. His dad told him competition breeds excellence and he wants to push Evers and whoever else is there for the starting job. And, and so I think it goes back to that level of confidence and trust that he has in Longo. And if we assume that Mordecai is going to be the starter this year, and who knows what's going to happen. Um, you never know from year to year, but that would open up a fascinating quarterback competition the year after that with, with Evers and Locke, two guys who were top 25 quarterbacks in the 2022 class. So I think that's really, really interesting. And it speaks a lot about, I think, Locke to want to be a part of this, but also the vision that Longo and Wisconsin sold him on to come, even though there are now three quarterbacks in the same class on the roster for spring practice. Competition's competition, right? Like we, to me, that was non-existent for the last three years. Ever since, you know, Graham got essentially handed the starting job when Jack Cohn went down, he has not been challenged the last three years it, it there's no there was no challenging in that room that's not going to be the case going forward there is going to be competition in that room for snaps for reps for everything and i be honest after the last three years that's awesome there's there's no there's nothing going to be handed to anybody and these guys are walking into it understanding exactly what it's going to be so i don't know if you have a problem with it i i kind of think it's a refreshing change that uh, you're not just going to let status quo be the status quo. I have zero problem with this. And look at the programs that are competing for playoff runs every year, yes. generally speaking, particularly power five, they're bringing the best of the best at the position over and over each year and generating competition. And that's how you breed a really successful program and get the best out of everybody. So exactly. I, on the surface, I, I was a little surprised that they added another guy, but if he wants to be a part of this and the program wants him, it makes a whole heck of a lot of a, a lot of sense. And it just makes everybody better. So, I mean, I think back to the last handful of spring practices, maybe everyone that I've covered, I remember 2019 feeling eager to see, okay, Graham Mertz is here. What's going to happen? And I remember one of his first passes in the indoor practice facility was like a 50 yard bomb. And you're like, wow, but it was clear Jack Cohn was going to be the starter and he was never challenged. And then it was Graham's team for the next three years. So there have been some quarterback competitions in previous years that we've seen, but I don't think it's anything to the level of at least from a depth and talent standpoint that we will see in spring ball and into fall camp. I can count two quarterback competitions. Yes. Alex Hornibrick versus Bart Houston. Tanner McAvoy and, versus Joel Stave. Yes. Those are the two. Yep. And let's be fair, Joel Stavi won that one. And uh yep. Gary, Gary Anderson flubbed it. But 
and and the other one, you know, we still didn't know who was going to be all the way down. And then, um, you know, they they went back and forth in 2016. But other than that, for the last decade, it's been almost non-existent. So, and especially the last three years. But you know, it is uh, it's a much better quarterback room than it was when Luke Fickle took over. And we'll see if I mean, none of the guys. Here's the thing. Pointing this out before, and it's it's not to hammer home anything. Rankings don't guarantee any success. We saw that with Graham. Graham was ranked higher than all these guys in high school. Um, you actually have to go out and perform. I have a higher level of belief that they can get it done with Phil Longo with these guys and this type of offense than I did previously um, with the previous staff in, in Graham Mertz. So we'll see if it actually happens. You actually, you actually you have to go out and do it. Rankings guarantee nothing. Um and and Graham Mertz should have told us taught uh, taught all of us that, and we'll see if uh, they can turn this offense into what everybody wants to see. Uh, but the two other guys that are coming are Cincinnati wide receivers, former Cincinnati wide receivers, Will Pauling and Quincy Burroughs. Those guys commit on back to back days. Um, both of them, uh, you know, Will Pauling had some injury uh, issues uh, this year, was limited, um, and d- did play a little bit. Quincy Burroughs did in the bowl game, right? We, I think he played in, in, in one game in the bowl game, did not catch a pass. But for these two guys to, to follow him and for them to want them to come with him, what are they What are they bringing and why are they coming to Madison? You had, I'm assuming, had a chance to chat with them. I did. Yeah, I, um, I talked to both of them. And when I was talking to Burroughs, I thought it was interesting because you don't necessarily think about what guys could be lurking that haven't entered the portal yet and see what Wisconsin is doing. But he talked about, he was scrolling through Twitter the morning that Nick Evers announced that he was coming to Wisconsin. This was December 17th, which again, less than a month ago, feels like a year ago right now, but he immediately texted Pauling. It was like, bro, do you see this? And they were having a conversation about it and neither one of them had yet entered the portal but obviously they've been thinking about it ultimately they both did and came to wisconsin but wide receivers want to be a part of an offense where they know that they'll have an opportunity to get the ball where they have high level quarterbacks and pauling was able to play a little bit more obviously than burrows he suffered um an mcl sprain i think in his knee but he played in about nine games and i think he was a lot more effective the first two games before he got hurt so he's got some experience. It's really hard to say at this point where those two guys fit in specifically, just because you've got the three that were the top three for Wisconsin last year. You've got CJ Williams. We don't necessarily know what's going to happen with Marcus Allen. There's Dean Ingram. So there's a lot of options, but since Phil Longo said he wanted 11 or 12 wide receivers, now they've got 12 on scholarship, at least as we know at this point. And I think there's going to be opportunity because he, he wants to keep them fresh so i think these are two very good pickups they're people who understand the coaching staff and what the expectations will be and i ultimately think they will help to make the room better oh real quickly on the marcus allen thing yeah i asked this i asked this morning because there were there were some people questioning it because <laughs> when cj williams committed the video uh, the jersey number it was number four which uh was Mar- is marcus allen's number or was marcus allen's number and uh he said he uh, he's the king of deleted tweets. Uh, he tweeted uh, copy that uh, when when the whole thing came out, when T.J. Williams put out his video and everything, uh, copy that. And 
but I, but I asked this morning if the plan was still for him to rejoin the program and be a part of the program. And I was told yes. So, um, he's there. Uh, I don't know exactly what that's all going to look like, but, um, yes, Marcus Allen, apparently still going to be a part of this, this thing, uh, Nathaniel Vacos, uh, kicker from Ohio, right? He had a solid season, freshman, all American 22 of 27 and uh, hit a big field goal to send it to overtime in the bowl game against uh, Wyoming in the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl. I think this is going to wind up being one of the more important pickups of the offseason for Wisconsin (laughs) because, yeah, this dude was excellent as a freshman. He made a 56-yarder against Western Michigan before halftime. No freshman made more kicks in the FBS than he did, and this is somebody who – once again, Fickle and crew were interested in back at Cincinnati. Now they ended up getting a transfer from Delaware and Vacos ended up at Ohio, but they don't just hand out scholarships to specialists as we know at Wisconsin. And it appears to me at this point that he's going to be the guy or they want him to be the guy. And ultimately this leads me in the direction of the Vito Calvaruso fan club, which mm. Uh, I don't, I, you know, I think I was a founding member. Maybe we could be co-founding members. You were the founding member of the Deacon Hill fan club. Um, you can have, you can, you can have uh veto. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I, there hasn't been an official word on this or anything. It just seems to me that it would, it's difficult to imagine you would carry two scholarship kickers at the same time. Um, and they wanted a guy that they could trust and, and who would, who, has proven himself because that was the other thing is Vito had two great years as a kickoff specialist at Arkansas and then came to Wisconsin. He hadn't kicked field goals in college and he couldn't stay healthy. He went one for three and Nate Van to walk on ended up having a pretty solid year, but he, he handled that role for almost the entire season. So now they've got a guy who's gone out and proven it and you can't have, I mean, it's so important to have a kicker like that, who, when you get to the 35 yard line, you can just send him in sort of the, uh, Rafael Gaglianone type. I think it's going to be really one of the more impactful, at least immediately impactful transfers that Wisconsin has. So we just say, hey, uh, thanks, Nate Van Zels, for all that you did uh, as a as a freshman, and be like, hey, um, those forty yard field goals that you were you're banging through, thank you. But uh, we're going to hand the job to to Nathaniel Vacos, or does he actually well, have to go out and win it? Well, I'm not saying that. I I think just like quarterback, it has to be a competition. I mean, I'm I'm sure if you're Van Zels, you aren't thrilled that they're bringing somebody in over you. Here's but, the thing: he doesn't have. Yeah, I mean, Van Zels doesn't have 56 in his bag, right? Yeah. So that's that's where this is a little bit different. Uh, Nate Van Zels was pushing his a great field goal against in, in the bowl game in perfect conditions against Oklahoma State. Uh, career long, I believe it was 47. I don't know that he's got 56 in his bag. Yeah, I'm not, I, I, I would tend to agree. And, but it should be a competition. I mean, even, even if you bring somebody in on scholarship, that means that they've got the inside track, but you've got to go earn it. I just feel like based on what he's done, what he did in his one season at Ohio, that, uh, that this could be the guy. And he also, it's worth noting while extra points should be automatic in high school, he made 260 consecutive extra points which was a national record. So kudos to the team that he played on for scoring that many touchdowns. But yeah, I think he missed the first one of his career and never missed again. That's impressive. That's yeah. pretty impressive. Um, all right, let's jump into some of these these Twitter questions. Our guy, Big Boss Man, says, uh, when will Fickle fill the rest of his coaching staff? Any insight on who he's considering for running back coach? Is Al Johnson being considered? Um, 
I'll let you go ahead with that. Uh, I, I will say that they can, they, they have 10 on-field assistants, right? They can have up to 10 field on-field assistants. They have finished, they have filled eight of those spots. Correct. Um, they need a running backs coach and they need an outside linebackers coach based on the titles for uh, Mike Tressel. And yeah, cause they have him coaching inside linebackers. So they need an outside linebackers coach and a running backs coach. Yes. I think you probably got a few questions about where the running backs coach situation stands and yeah, I'm in a wait and see mode, just like everybody else. They've certainly kept this one pretty close to the vest. Um, I would be, my personal opinion is I would be surprised if they retained Johnson. Like if you're not going to keep some of these other assistants, with he a lot more experience at the level, then... he already he already said goodbye. Right. So so that makes no that would have made no sense to me. Um, but oh, I, I don't can know prom- who they're going to. I can I can promise you. I can promise you. <laughs> it will not be a former offensive line coach coaching the running backs. <laughs> right. There's just no way. I it it feels like if you're waiting this long. So they waited for Greg Scruggs, right? Uh, yes. the defensive line coach for the NFL season to come to an end. It, it feels like this one's going to be coming from the NFL as well. And it feels and, like it could be something where it's a guy that's still in the playoffs. And if, if, if you want me to be honest, it should like, this is Wisconsin. Yes. This is, if you want to lay the claim to RBU or at least be in the conversation and we've seen what they've done over decades and especially the last decade, you got to get somebody at the very highest level. And the last two, they had coaches who had done that. Gary Brown, obviously, the Dallas Cowboys with the Browns before. John Settle had NFL experience as well. That's what the running backs coach at Wisconsin should have, quite frankly. I agree. And, you know, again, like unless unless it's coming from Georgia or TCU, which obviously just weren't done until this past, what, this past Monday, likely is coming it, you would it would seem likely that it would be coming from the nfl we'll see again i don't have any names don't have any facts to back that up it would just seem that it's gone this long that you would be uh you know perhaps dipping into that again but we will uh see um jack says are the badgers done in the portal any chance of them going after williams usc teammate kyle ford who i believe wisconsin offered in high school I don't know. I don't I don't want to say that they're done because I, I think they would gladly take a piece or two, but I think the board is very small at this point. All these guys are coming to campus this week. Classes start on the 24th. So if there's a piece or two out there, they're going to have to make a decision quick. I think they would not shy away from adding a tight end. I don't know if there's any more room for a wide receiver, but maybe there's a piece on defense. And the other thing is, we have to consider that the February signing period is around the corner and the name that stands out most to me that's out there is on the defensive line with Jamel Howard, who was previously yeah. committed to Wisconsin, then decommitted. And then it looked like, okay, is he going to go to Michigan Took a visit there? Roderick Pierce, another previous Wisconsin commit ended up uh, going to the Wolverines, but they're pushing, they are pushing. And uh, I'm sure everybody listening who keeps track on Twitter saw that on Friday, Wisconsin unveiled this massive campaign about every coach tweeting out how they were Chicago bound and they're going to recruit the area. And well, Jamel Howard's there and there's other pieces, but that to me would be an immediate need that Wisconsin would gladly take. Those billboards are amazing. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty good. Would have loved to have seen Brett Bielema's reaction when he saw that they were putting that stuff up in, in Chicago, not even Pat Fitzgerald. Cause even they, they call themselves Chicago's team. We, we know it's a joke, right? But like Illinois, 
Uh, which, I mean, Brett has talked about, remember when he was the Wisconsin coach, he would talk about going to Minnesota and that's in-state recruiting for us. And Wisconsin's like, all right, we're just going to throw <laughs> billboards up with Illinois players on them. Illinois players that uh, essentially only one is actually uh, played. Uh, well, I should say it, Brian Sanborn, I guess has played a little bit for him, but uh, you know, Mumajang meta. And then it's two guys that have yet to even aren't even on campus yet, uh, which is kind of, it's a little funny. I'm waiting for the Minnesota one. I don't know if they have enough guys to be able to do the Minnesota one, but it would be hilarious too. Um, like what you have Riley Malman and you would have Caden Johnson <laughs> and like who, I mean, who Paul, else Paul Haynes. You, Can we put Paul Haynes on the billboard? Paul, Paul Haynes up there. How yes. That? That'd Build be a good looking billboard. Away yep, from be, Minneapolis to Madison. Yes. That, <laughs> that would be uh that'd be a good billboard. I just don't know if they have enough Minnesota guys <laughs> at this point to be able to do yeah. it. I'm not sure I see that, but they, they are certainly doing what they can in the, from a PR standpoint to generate interest. And and they're, I mean, this is an interesting point that as we're having this discussion, when I was talking to Braden Locke, one thing he said that stood out was he said the coaching staff, they've done their job. Like they have put together this roster and now it's up to us to go out and have a great off season, a great spring, a great fall and go win games got to give a lot of credit to this coaching staff for the work that they put forth in the last six or seven weeks to, to amp up the excitement and stuff like the billboards and the Luke fickle tweeting out with these prearranged tweets 30 minutes before the commitment. It just adds to the excitement. It does. And that kind of goes into this. Um, well, we'll get to that question in a second about excitement, but uh, Mark says, is there a limit on scholarships? Yes, there yes. obviously is. There's 85, you get 85 scholarships. If there is, Will some of the current roster lose their scholarships if the batters continue to add via the transfer portal? So in total right now, they've added 12 guys from the transfer portal, 14 as a part of the 2023 recruiting class, and they have uh, several guys as sixth-year guys coming back as well. So you answer that question. I don't I, – there are going to be guys that are currently on the roster that I don't think will be on the roster come fall camp. Obviously, the maximum you can have is 85 scholarships. And I think, for example, as in the case of a Vito Calvaruso situation, if you bring somebody in and it seems unlikely that you'll have multiple at a certain spot, I imagine personnel decisions are being had, but I don't know specifically how that works. I would say, though, that the people that we anticipate that are on the roster right now, not all of them are going to be there come fall camp because just like with the coaching staff, I mean, these Fickle and crew are bringing in the people that they want and they think will have the most success. And, and we know that the people coming in are on scholarships. So where that leaves everything in the end remains to be seen. But I would also say that there's another transfer portal window, which is important to acknowledge, which runs May 1st to the 15th after spring practice. And I think it's pretty clear that there are going to be some guys at that point who, who may begin to look elsewhere and maybe Wisconsin ends up adding because of that as well. So that that's another wrinkle which we did not have before when there were not these specific designated transfer portal windows set up and it was just a free-for-all doing a little bit of research on this uh i believe there is a rule that does allow a coach that comes in the new coach has a right to not invite someone back the following year i mean they could still stay in school and, and be on scholarship that way but not be in terms of uh football wise so it's a possibility it's a possibility but I don't want to dive too deep into it just because I don't have the greatest. Uh, I haven't done enough research on it to say that that's definitely what's going to happen in this situation. So I'm not going to do that. Let's close on this one. Are Pickles actions and success player and coaching recruiting beyond anything you thought possible? Yes. 
Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with just covering a program for as long as we have. You see things, you see how things have been done. And there was that excellent three-year run on the recruiting trail where they had three top 30 classes and the 2021 was number 16. And so we haven't seen Fickle have a full year to recruit a class yet. But just from generating pure excitement and bringing in top-level talent at positions that Wisconsin has traditionally not been able to do so in, it's way beyond what I thought. And again, a lot of this goes back to hiring Phil Longo. And if you were going to be able to do this, it had to be by going against the grain and doing what Wisconsin had never done before. Because, and there's nothing wrong, obviously, with what Wisconsin has done the last three decades. They are the envy of most college football programs, and it's admirable how well they've played, but it was based on a certain system. You get the big offensive linemen, you get the running backs, you get a strong front seven, um, didn't necessarily have the big-bodied, super-athletic DBs, didn't have big-time wide receivers, very rarely had a big-time quarterback, and they're working to change that. And in six and a half weeks, they've done it, and so it has far exceeded what I thought this was going to be. I, I can't say I had an expectation when Luke Fickle was hired, but this has exceeded what I thought was, was possible, but now they got to go and put it together with spring practice, fall camp in the season. I'm not going to be that wet blanket though. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not going to say what we've seen so far. Yeah. Well, just, just wait till we get to see on the field before we get too excited about anything. I'm not going to be that wet blanket. You guys can go be excited as hell about it because this has been a non flashy program that has had a, had a ton of success on the field, but not necessarily flashy off the field. And we've made fun of Nebraska and Minnesota and other teams for winning the offseason in the past. Uh, but what Wisconsin right now is doing is is building up the excitement within a, within the program and within the fan base that I've never seen before. And I'm not going to be the wet blanket sitting here saying you can't do that. And I won't. I hope that, that won't be I me. Hope, I hope I didn't come across as a wet blanket because I feel the exact opposite. Uh, it's been incredible. It's been invigorating as a reporter to cover the team, to see the level of excitement that the fans have. And it makes it more fun. And college sports are about passion. College football certainly is. And Luke Fickle and crew have generated it in spades. And I can't wait to see spring practice, even though it's only mid-January. Can we just start yeah. it now and extend it for a couple months? <laughs> oh, a, a three-month spring practice. I think. Why not? I, yeah, here's the thing. I, I know you. I know like a week into it, you'd be complaining about having to go to practice. So don't, yeah, don't, I probably don't, would, but maybe don't, not this don't, year, Zach, maybe not this be year doing this that. offense. Don't, all right. I'm going to remind you of that uh, in probably around April 1st or 2nd, and we'll see how you're feeling about it. Uh, no, I'm kidding. It's going to be amazing. We can't wait for it. We'll be back uh, next week as Wisconsin continues their uh, transformation. Uh, I think that's all you can call it at this point, a transformation from the Paul Christ era into the Luke fickle era. And uh, it's been exciting, and I'm sure it's going to continue to be so. Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. All right, there he is, Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You've been listening to The Camp.